Okay, so heading over to text messages, the very first text message we've got to share this morning is, glad you're back in one piece, Lawson. Wow, see, there's Rafael people who care about up. my well-being, unlike you. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Uh, all right, uh, next one says, gender confusion, this... This people who come up with these stupidities must be killing themselves in laughter to see how much garbage they can come up with and wonder when we're going to wake up. I, this actually goes through my mind, you know? It's almost a meme, right? It's like, it is. Oh, it's like I'm like, are they joking now? Or? It is. It's just, <laughs> I think a lot of the, I actually, I actually think, even though this is kind of funny text, yeah, I think there's an element of truth to it where people are out there just like, let's see how stupid we can go and people still vote for it. Yeah. You know? But like, what's next? It's like, let's let's cancel vending machines. Yeah, right. <laughs> Some <laughs> random thing. Uh, I wait for the day that they'll be arrested. It will come. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Mm. They'll be arrested when the Lord comes back anyway. Okay, ban on sexually based advertising in pubs and clubs is a good thing, but mm. they um, don't. But don't most single, young, or older people go to these places to pick up a partner? Uh, once they start drinking, they don't really need the advertising. Still, not a bad idea. Yeah. Um, then another one here. Billions of people watching pornography at home while trying to stop sexual art in some places might be a great idea. It makes you wonder what's the use, especially when millions of children are watching porn. How about stopping porn and the suffering it causes? And, and Lawson and I had an interesting discussion off air about this in that you know Facebook is copping an incredible amount of heat at the moment because of the material they put out that is damaging to young people. Mm. And everybody is up in arms and everybody's angry at Facebook and everybody's like, yeah, you know, cancel Facebook, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the reality is nobody's saying about and, – and, and, and I'm, not a, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely with them. Facebook should not be promoting stuff that harms children. But why aren't we dealing with the vastly bigger issue of pornography? Yeah. And you know, we all get upset at Facebook while pornography has done all of its dastardly damage, you know, long before Facebook came along. Facebook mm. just kind of finishes it off. Okay, this one comes from the interview that we just had with Jared Stackeroff. Um, colonizing Mars, another humanist way to try and save themselves. It's not to save the world because the whole idea behind it is that they believe the world can't continue, so only the elite will be saved. Salvation by works. Good luck with that. Time is shorter than we think. Yes, I think the uh, you know the trip to Mars is just another it's just another uh, Tower of Babel. As if as if it's I I am convinced that there's no way to actually pull it off either. But people are looking into it. Yeah, they are thinking about it and they are exploring those ideas. And you know, in one way, the exploration of those ideas will push science and understanding further. Like I'm going to be honest. Like then, if the opportunity did come up. To go to Mars, then I'd, I'd like to go to Mars. As a tourist. As a tourist. I don't want to live there. Yeah, that's right. It's boring. But, I, dude, I would love to be in a spaceship and fly to Mars, bro. Like, I, th- I think everyone can agree. Like, yeah. Whether, the, whether you know, their, their, their motivations for starting a colony on Mars to escape, you know, the world and it falling apart. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's silly. Like, whatever. But, dude, it'd be pretty sick to go to Mars, bro. <laughs> Uh, all right, as per the news just heard, looks like we are getting the Vax passports. We now will have divided population. Reminds me of Nazi Germany. So Lawson, Lawson's going to be getting the, um, 
The, 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 uh, I have it on my oh, phone. Already, I downloaded got it, it this got it, morning. Got it. Well, because it's got, like today is the He's got the, the tattoo day. on his phone already. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's got his number. <laughs> that's right. What what is what is your number? My my number for my vaccine passport. Yes, I don't even know if there you is. Must is have there a, a you number? Should, you should you should write it on your arm. <laughs> Yikes! I didn't, well, that kind of doesn't fit the um the so that so that so that when you're out and about and you're outside of your OGA and the police pull you over. And like you got a vaccine passport, you can just pull up your sleeve and it's like, yeah, I've, got my, I've got my number right here. Oh, yikes, dude. <laughs> well, okay, yeah, I have a an individual healthcare identifier. I have a document number and that's pretty much it. I think it's just like... Okay, this- all right. I did say that in jest. I just do need this. Oh, you've got, you've got your yeah. number there? Yeah. Oh, like I, I've got like the thing. But honestly, I'm like, unless... Okay, they, there's no like barcode on this. Maybe they have a system to be able to look you up. How long do you think it would take you to make one of those in Dude, Photoshop? It looks so easy. Like, <laughs> like not even joking. Like, I do, I do a bunch of like Canva and Photoshop. I'm like, bro, I could make this up tomorrow. It'd just be getting, getting a good like PNG of like, like a vector cut out of the Australian. Rafi already, uh, Rafi already knows what your number is. <laughs> what? He what? already knows what your number is. You're How? 666. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> All right. I should not be making light of the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we need to remember this is nothing like the Holocaust. That's right. It's not even remotely close. And we're having a little bit of fun here. And it's good in times of stress to have a little bit of fun. But we need to remember that 6 million people died during the Holocaust and... That was a very, very serious situation. And we, right. we have a bit of fun about vaccine passports and so forth. And they are, in a, in a minuscule way, reminiscent of what happened then, but we're a long way from that. And we need, yeah. to, we need to remember those people that did die during that time because it was a horrific experience yeah. and, uh, and, and give due respect where respect is deserved. Definitely. And I think for our situation as well, like we, there's a horizon like whether it's at the end of October once we hit 80% or whether it's yeah. in the start of December when there's like, by the time we hit the start of December, there's like no masks inside. Like it's, it's going fully back to normal. Maybe, and, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Like, maybe. yeah, but you watch it all change once the, uh, now that lockdowns are over and the virus starts to rip through the community. Yeah, that's change. right. We'll see what happens, but the, at least like, yeah, I, for us, Sitting here, like we can see some kind of a horizon in terms of the the COVID lockdowns and whatnot. Um, but at that time, I don't think many many um, people involved in the Holocaust could see a horizon. Well, you know, they, no, they no, they there was no horizon. It. it was only heading one direction and yeah. very rapidly. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so let's go to in our Bible study. Guess where? Deuteronomy. No. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Romans chapter four. Oh, Romans that's my favorite four. place to study Deuteronomy. Just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we've been we've been studying Deuteronomy from all of our favorite places that are not in Deuteronomy. <laughs> yeah. Last week we did spend a bit of time in Deuteronomy. We we covered a, a chunk of chapter one. Yeah, that's right. It will be good to see our Bible study uh, course get back to Deuteronomy. But right now we're going to Romans chapter four, mm-hmm. and we're going to read the first four verses. Please, so Lord. in Romans chapter four, beginning in verse one, the Bible says, "Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable with God, he would have had something to boast about." But that was not God's way. 
For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. Okay, so if we look at this particular passage right here, we ask, well, what has this got to do with the book of Deuteronomy? Well, the the book of Deuteronomy is the covenant. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it is Moses reviewing the covenant with the people before he dies. Yes. Uh, He is fit, he is healthy, his brain is sharp, there is nothing wrong with him, and Israel is about to enter into the promised land within days. And he knows he's not going over. Mm. He knows he's going to die. And so he's reviewing the covenant. So if Moses is reviewing the covenant, let's take a moment to look at it in more detail. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. All right. So let's uh, let's see what we've got here. Um, as we look through this passage, well, we'll just start in verse 4. What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, pertaining to the flesh, has found? Your translation did put that slightly better. Yeah, it says, When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. That's verse 4. I read verse 1. Yeah. Read verse 1 for me. Read verse 1. Abraham has humanly speaking, uh, was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. about being made right whoa, with God? You go, you go too far. <laughs> humanly speaking, he's the father of the Jewish nation. That's where we start off. Yes. And so this is important when Paul talks about this, Because if you go back in the passage to chapter 2, verse 27 and 28, you find that Paul speaks about more than just, um, more than just, just, more than just the descendants of Abraham being Israelites. Mm. So let's just review that very quickly because that's why he talks about humanly speaking he's the father of our race because he's writing to Gentile people in Rome who are not literally a father of the Jew, you know, who he is not literally the father of their race. And so uh, humanly speaking, yes, he's the father of the Jewish race, but he's also the father of much more than that. Let's go to uh, Romans chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. So Romans 2, 27 and 28. No, 28, 29, sorry. 28 and 29. For you are not a Jew just because you were born Jewish, uh, born of Jewish parents, or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and a tr- and the true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart um, produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Okay. So, who then here is a true descendant of Abraham? Somebody who uh, has circumcision in the flesh or someone who has circumcision in the heart? Yeah, it's it's um, basically someone who makes the decision to, to be a worshipper of God. Yes. And, you know, the response to that is that God endows us with his Holy Spirit. We live, you know, the life of faith. Uh, but, yeah, that's what we see here. It makes the very express point that, oh, like the, the promise made to Abraham is for everyone. Yep, mm. indeed. All right. Uh, let's go back over to chapter 4. Let's read now verse 2. Mine says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has a reason to glory, but not before mm. God. What does yours say? It says, If the good deeds had made him acceptable uh, to God, he would have something to boast about. Okay. But that was not God's way. Yes. Mm. 
All right, so let's think about this then for a moment because we have to ask ourselves the question, is Paul contradicting what James says? Because mm. if we go over to the book of James, let's, let's hold your finger yeah. there, go to the book of James. Uh, I'm thinking James chapter 2. And, you know, Martin Luther was a great fan of Paul and absolutely despised James. Really? He did. He, he he said James was a straw man and it should be torn out of the Bible. Really? Yes. Martin Luther. Martin Luther. And, and, and part of that is because of this passage that we're about to read right here. Um, let's go to chapter 2 and, well, let's start in verse 20. In chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, How foolish! Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestors Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Oh, let's stop there for a moment. My translation says this, Was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? So is James and Paul, are they having a bit of a spat here? Are they disagreeing with each other? Mm. Are they in contradiction to each other? Was Martin Luther right that we need to get rid of the book of James? Um, Well, I've memorized James chapter 1, so that would be a lot of wasted time and energy. It would. But um, I don't think so. You don't? I don't think that there's a contradiction here. Okay. I know that my Bible is a little bit more interpretive, but it gives some insight into, into what's really going like on I actually really like what your translation said. That, yeah. That one. Yeah, well, because it says here, it says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions, by laying Isaac on the altar? And what this reveals to us is that, like, and, and the point that James is making is that faith produces works. Yes. And even Paul makes the very same point. He does. In in Ephesians chapter 2. Like, Absolutely. He makes the very same point. They're in agreement. Yes. James is making this point to a specific group of people who are really, like, I think Paul said that as, you know, introducing them to a theological concept, whereas James is writing to a group of people who actually disagree with him. So that's why he is making such an effort to to make this clear, whereas you don't see that as much in the writings of Paul. Um, but you see both sides of it. Essentially, like what Paul is saying is like, we're not justified by works. And James is agreeing with him. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, he's saying that, oh, but the our works, like the things that we do are an evidence that God, that we are justified. Exactly, because if you're justified and you have no good works, you're not justified. That's right. It's that simple. You've never ex- received justification if it doesn't result in good works. Yeah. Doesn't and, exist. And that's because it's like, you know, maybe you're listening, you're like, oh, well, how does that logic make sense? How can you say that you're like justified doesn't require good works, but if you have good works, you're not justified, and that is that good works are the result of justification. Let's read verse 22. When you read verse 22, the Bible says here, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And this is a really important point right here because throughout the Bible... God says, you will be judged by your works. Mm. You will be rewarded, every man according to his works, in the judgment. Yes. There is verse after verse after verse after verse, and every verse in relationship to the judgment 
and how we are judged says that we are judged by our works. So how can we be saved by grace and judged by our works? I think the answer is right here in the book of James. I think James clears this up for us even better than Paul does. Mm. Uh, and 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 you know when I look at this particular passage here, uh, the reason that we're judged by our works is because we need to remember that the judgment is not God finding something out. Yeah, He doesn't need to find out whether we're saved or lost. Totally, that's not the purpose of the judgment. The judgment doesn't exist so that God like, oh, I wonder where this person's saved. No, God already knows whether they whether that person is saved or lost. The judgment is God demonstrating that his decision, demonstrating to the universe that his decision is the right decision. Mm. The judgment is held in open court. Everybody's there. Everybody's present. Nobody gets to miss out. Everyone can see that God is just. God is righteous. God is all loving. And so when God is going to judge and to demonstrate whether or not a person is saved, the universe looking on cannot read the person's mind like God can. Mm. They can only read the person's actions. And God demonstrates their actions and he shows their actions that by their actions they were covered by the blood of the Lamb. Mm. And their actions demonstrated that they were a saved person in a saved relationship with God and uh, that their actions are a demonstration of their self, not a means Mm. but a revealing, a revelation of their salvation. So uh, we've got another text coming here through here on the the whole Martin Luther thing. Simple. Luther was wrong. (laughs) He could not see the other side of the coin. And it's true. He got so consumed with salvation by grace alone Mm. that he couldn't see, you know, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 through 10, he couldn't get past verse 9. Which makes sense, like, given his background. Like, because he was in the complete opposite camp, right? Like, he had this crazy conversion experience going from, like, oh, salvation is only acquired by self-infliction and working to the complete, you know, he went from extreme to extreme. That's who Martin Luther was. Yeah, and, and Stuart's text through to say that uh, later in life he more fully understood James and changed his position on it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you know. Everybody grows in their Christian experience. We are all humans. And totally. if we do not grow and if we do not make mistakes, we do not make anything. <laughs> That's true. It is that simple. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go back to uh, Romans chapter 4 and let's keep looking at this subject of the covenant with Abraham because it is a covenant that is uh, based around salvation by grace and by grace alone. What we're going to do is we're going to look at verse uh, 3 and 4 in a little bit more detail. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Bible study? Bible study time. Actually, just quickly, I was just thinking, I was just thinking before before we went to our break, we're talking about this idea of like faith and works and how like works are an evidence of our faith. It's interesting. We talked about a story earlier this morning about like these like rappers who filmed a music video in a church cathedral and people are kind of blowing up about it. Cause it's like, Oh, you're at a church and you're like, you know, being really raucous and, uh-huh, uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. Dude, I wouldn't be surprised if those people called them like, like if they were like, Oh no, but we're, but we're Catholic. Like being that they're from like Spain and Argentina, like it, it wouldn't surprise. Like, 
you know, just... It's true. Dude, the state of, like, yeah. there's just a lot of people in our world, like, they identify as Christian, yet live lives that, you know, I guess people who are very uh, biblically literate would say, but isn't that against what the Bible says Christians should do? And Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Christians who wouldn't have a problem with it either. Yeah. I mean, obviously, these guys don't. And so, you know, well, anyway, who knows? But who knows? The point I'm trying to make is like, like, yeah, yeah, like, I think that this is a very, this is a very, like, important topic. I think it's a real call to us as Christians, like, oh, hey, no, God is calling us to, to, to strive to have good behavior, good, be good people, be good citizens, be good neighbors, like, this is a very important thing in the Christian walk. He wants us to be a witness of his goodness and his love, and that doesn't mean to behave terribly. So to think that the Bible isn't going to at least speak in favor of good Christian behavior or whatever it may be, to just be like, oh, no, that's works. It's like, no, you're silly. Anyways. Okay, our actions, speaking about Christian behavior, mm. Bruce says our actions are not ours, they are gods. Christ in us, all good so true. is from him. Mm. There you go. Uh, right, let's go to let's go to um, our Bible study. Yes. And let's have a look at this concept of faith and works mm-hmm. and how the two relate together in relationship to uh, Abraham and justification and so forth. So we, let's, uh, did we read verse 3 yet again? Well, I can read it right now. It says, For the scriptures tell us Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because okay, mine, of Mine his says faith. the same thing. What says the scriptures? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Yeah, it's the Bible. Wow. Salvation by grace. <laughs> now to him that work to him that works is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of mm. debt. Oh, mm. that's a bit of a tongue twister. What is your saying, verse four? It says when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. Indeed. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians now, Ephesians chapter 2, and let's see whether Ephesians chapter 2 can bring these two passages together. Uh, Here in Romans chapter 4, the Bible is saying that Abraham was not justified by works. In Galatians, in in, sorry, James chapter 2, the Bible is saying that Abraham was justified by works. Can we find the answer to this in Ephesians uh, chapter 2? Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, like a uh, spoiler alert, you can. <laughs> um, starting in verse eight, is that where we're going? Ephesians two and verse two, verse eight. Three. Yeah, let's start. Let's let's start in verse eight. All right, we'll do, we'll do them one at a time. So God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Okay, so Paul has just made the point that if something is a gift, you can't earn it. That's right. Uh, when you go out and you work for a day and you get a day's wages, you've earned it mm-hmm. because you did work. That's right. But a gift you cannot earn. It is impossible to earn a gift. All right, let's uh, verse 9. Verse 9 continues on and says, Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, um, for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Indeed, indeed. All right. Then we go to verse 10. Mm. Let's read verse 10 because this is where it really brings it all together. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Indeed. Mm. All right. 
Let me read it from my translation. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship. In other words, God has created, he has made us. We have been crafted by God. Mm. Why has God created us? For what purpose has God created us? We have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Mm. which God has before ordained that we even should walk in them. So the Bible is very, very clear that we have been created for the purpose of good works. Wait. God wants us to do good things. That's amazing thought, I, isn't it? Lyle, is that heresy? <laughs> you know, whenever you talk about works and you talk about the importance of doing good works, so often Christians are so nervous about this subject. Mm. They almost have this knee-jerk reaction where it has to be instantly qualified. Yeah. Because if you don't instantly qualify, you're teaching salvation by works. Yeah. You know, we've almost lost a time period where people were actually uh, happy to stand up and and speak about good, solid morals and living a moral life Mm. and keeping the commandments of God. Thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, etc. And as soon as you start talking about these things, people either have to be like, oh, no, 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 but salvation by grace, or they have to be like, oh, now let's qualify that. Yeah. So you're not speaking about salvation by works, just in case people get confused over the subject. Salvation by works hasn't been around in mainstream Christianity for a very, very long time, Um, mainstream Protestant evangelical Christianity for a very, very long time, for 500 years. Yeah. And that's like the crazy thing is that I'm like, dude, outside of the Christian context, like inside and outside of the Christian context, doing good things is something that can be talked about. Yes. And can be promoted without the qualification. Like like if, if an atheist stands up and says, we should do good and charitable, charitable things, we would agree with them. And, and if a Christian stands up and says the same thing, we should agree with them, even from a moral perspective. Like, like the atheist can stand up and say, hey, we shouldn't kill each other. It's like, oh, good thing. And then, like, you know, but then as a Christian, obviously, if you said we shouldn't kill each other, people would agree with you. But it's almost like when you put it then in the context of, like, thou shalt not kill, like, reference the Ten Commandments. And then it's like, oh, but but slow down. Slow down, buddy, because, like, oh, are we talking about works here? It's like, yes, we're talking about works. God wants us to do good things. Is that is that like bad? Is the, <laughs> does the good loving creator of the universe want us to do good things? Yes. Like, obviously come on, like totally. And obviously then that plays out. Like God is charging us to do much more than just keep the 10 commandments. He charges us to preach the gospel to the world. Indeed. <laughs> which is just as difficult. Like, yeah, it's and this is very New Testament ideas. Like I think that we need to see scripture, the moral law, the 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 um the great commission, the things that God has called us to do. Like yes, this is all part of good works and it's something that he's calling us to do because he is a good God. Okay, so we've just got a little bit of time left. I'm going to finish on Romans chapter 1 and verse 5 where the Bible talks about the purpose of grace. Mm. It says by whom we have received grace for obedience. Wow. You know, it's that simple. Without God's grace, we cannot obey. With God's grace, we cannot but obey. Amen. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh Now it is... Question of the day. 
Okay, our question of the day is, what's so bad about Nazareth? Yeah, this is an interesting question, uh, particularly, you know, when we look at Jesus, because the Bible says that, you know, Nathaniel, when the disciples who, you know, Jesus' first disciples came to Nathaniel and said, you know, you should come and follow this guy, Jesus, and he's like, Jesus who? Well, Jesus of Nazareth, because that was kind of how people referred to in those days. It was first name and the place where you come from to identify you. And, uh, you know, the disciples who were following Jesus at that particular time said, you know, he's, 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 he's the son of God. He's the one who has been prophesied. He's the Messiah. And Nathaniel's initial reaction is like, how, can, it, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, um, this shows a level of prejudice against people from this particular region. And it goes to show that prejudice is not something that is new in our world. Prejudice has been around for a very, very long time indeed, particularly in relationship to socioeconomic circumstances and to certain towns and villages. So when you look at Nazareth, it's a little bit under 100 kilometers north of Jerusalem. Mm. So it's a, it's a little bit further north. It's up in the hill country. It was an area that was impoverished. It was very poor, so a very low socioeconomic area. Um, it was not an area that had incredibly fertile soil. It was a town, you know, there'd been a town there for a long time. You know, archaeologists have discovered artifacts that go back to about 2000 BC, so a very, very old settlement. But it had a very, very bad reputation. And if you think about the suburbs that are near you, wherever you are listening from, there are going to be suburbs near you or towns near you that have a bad reputation. You know, some of our outback towns have a very bad reputation. Some of our inner city suburbs have a very bad reputation. Some of our uh, uh, outer suburbs have a very bad reputation. And we can, you know, think about, you know, they even made a, a TV show about Mount Druitt. Why did they make a TV show about Mount Druitt? Because it had a bad reputation. And because it had a bad reputation, they thought they would get viewers for that particular uh, program. Mm. Mount Druitt wasn't so keen about that. Uh, but this is the this is the simple reality. And so when you look at where Jesus came come from, and I think the point is this, Jesus was not born you know, on the uh, the uh, the eastern eastern suburbs of Sydney, you know, where the median house price is going to be in the multi millions of dollars. Jesus didn't come from that part of Jerusalem. Jesus came from a poor, impoverished, low socioeconomic area that would have carried with it all of the issues that you're going to find in any low socioeconomic era. Area. Now, what I find interesting is the prophecy in the Old Testament that says that Jesus would be a Nazarene and that he would be called a Nazarene. And so the implication from that, you know, if you're reading that prophecy in the Old Testament, you would read that and go, oh, he's going to be called a Nazarene. Therefore, he's going to take a Nazarite vow. And yet there is no evidence anywhere in Scripture that Jesus took a Nazarite vow. So how could he be called a Nazarene if he didn't take a Nazarite vow? And the Bible says that he would be born in Bethlehem. You know, it's interesting when you get these prophecies and how they all come together. Jesus was called a Nazarene because, not because he took a Nazarite vow, but because he came from Nazareth. Mm. That's an interesting twist on the prophecy. And he was called a, a Nazarene because he grew up in Nazareth, not because he was born there. People call me a Tasmanian. I was born in Newcastle. I was born like oh, there it is, fifteen k's from where we're transmitting right now. That's I've, why he's I've such, a, that's why he's such a good guy. 
Yeah. <laughs> a good guy, yes, I'll take that. Um, but I grew up in Tasmania. You know, I moved to Tasmania about the same time that, the same age, I should say, that Jesus moved to Nazareth. And so having grown up in Tasmania, people refer to me as a Tasmanian, but I've actually lived more of my life outside of Tasmania than inside of it. Interesting prophecy that you find in Psalms 22 and verse 6. The Bible says, I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of people. And all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying he trusted the Lord. And it continues on from there. The Bible describes the scorn that Jesus received during his life. Part of that was because of where he came from. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.